Good evening and welcome to the first episode of 2022 for the Take the Two podcast. And I'm very privileged to announce that we have a a new podcast member on board, Patrick. G'day, mate. Thanks, Ricky. Mate, privilege. Already big raps. Already, jeez. I guess... To, well, not, not to address, it's not an elephant in the room, but obviously uh, Patrick is taking the mantle of Thomas, who I'm sure all of you uh, were aware was was on the podcast and enjoyed hearing his dulcet tones. Obviously, you know, life plays a part, full-time, full-time gigs, other opportunities, so he wasn't able to continue. But as I said, Patrick's on board. This week and next week will only be the two of us, and Natalie uh, will be back in a few weeks' time, obviously before the season itself kicks off to really dissect the action and obviously in terms of football patrick we certainly have a very interesting season ahead of us and obviously the big talking points are always how the bottom teams are going to do can they do can they get better it was the bulldogs that won the wooden spoon last year you know they they they've made some made some good signings obviously the structure under field good has changed dramatically compared to what it was i guess for the bulldogs that big sticking point is number 1 can they squeeze into the eight? Because I think at best you'd have to imagine seventh or eighth at the moment is their ceiling. And is Matt Burton going to be the redeemer in a way, the guy that is going to lead this team around? Or in your opinion, do you still think there are more pieces needed before the dogs become a serious threat in the competition? Yeah, great question. Uh, really interesting with the dogs. I think if you know, unfortunately uh, for the listeners out there, I am a night supporter. So if you all know, uh, we had some very lean years, um, three wooden spoons in a row. So if I ever see, like, it's obviously great now to be out of the doldrums, but when I see a team like the dogs that have been struggling for a while, and you know, last year, like, not to sugarcoat it, you know, I mean, they were great like in terms of the effort that they put in and you can tell that it really mattered to them, uh, but it just wasn't there. And I think the big thing heading into a new year, and they've had massive roster overhaul, you know, Ricky, and you're talking about Burden and he's obviously an excellent talent. And in terms of recruitment, it, it definitely looks great on paper, uh, but the game isn't played on paper and just all of this kind of stuff is going to take some time to gel. And, you know, I, again, just to look back at the Knights, Obviously, we got the spoon in 2017 and made a whole swag of signings. We had Ponga, Buera, Pierce all come into the club. And there were all these big things about, oh, the Knights going to make the eight. You know, all this great recruitment. The pieces are there. And, you know, quite a middle-of-the-table finish, which, as a Knights fan, I was okay with not getting the spoon. And I just I just kind of see that with the dogs. I kind of see that it'll take time to gel like it's a new, you know, new spine. Obviously, uh, obviously, Gus will have a big. I reckon he'll have a big say in what in what goes on. Um, but again, another thing that kind of makes me a bit wary is Barrett doesn't all, doesn't really have the best track record. Even his time at Manly, like things kind of fell apart really quickly. So, like I don't hope it happens for him. I don't reckon they're going to get the spoon. I reckon there's improvement, but I kind of reckon that their ceiling is more around 
that 10 to 13 spot. I reckon they'll probably land somewhere there. But maybe the year after, you know, I reckon uh, Reed going over in, in 23 is, like, is a huge piece of that puzzle to really get some more improvement out of them. Yeah, certainly the spine is always the most important part of any team. And, you know, you you look at the dog's spine for this year and it, it, it's, I guess, really outside of Matt Burton is there's no, I guess, genuine game break. I mean, obviously, you know, Matt Dufty is likely to play fullback. He's had his, I guess, defensive issues in terms of positioning and it's been well spoken about both by, you know, likes of Paul McGregor and, and sort of Anthony Griffin to a lesser extent by the fans as well, by the Dragons fans, I should say. And then obviously you have guys like Jake Alvarello and, and uh, Jeremy Marshall King who, look, in their own right, they, you know, they've got some talent. Obviously, if you're playing NRL, you've got the talent. But certainly when you look at the top five or six teams, that spine is nowhere near that level. You could probably even say that with the addition of Reed Marnie, obviously, you know, fullback and 5'8 in 2023 may be different for the dogs again. Mm. But even Burton and Marnie probably still doesn't make that a, a top five or six spine compared to other sides in the long term either. Yeah, I agree. Can I can I ask you a question? What do you reckon what do you reckon the spine's gonna end up? Because I reckon uh, like obviously Dufty's coming over, but I have a bit of a feeling that they might actually give Avarillo a shot back there. Just because like Flanagan was really mistreated last year, I reckon. Like he wasn't given that great a go and he still has some of the skill set. And as you just said before, you know, like the reason why the Dragons didn't invest in Dufty was, you know, just from a defensive point of view and I guess even in attack, you know, he obviously has speed to burn and he kind of increased his passing game a bit towards the end of his career there. But again, like he doesn't really have that playmaking ability in him either. So I don't know. What do you reckon it's going to end up? You reckon they're going to stick with, you know, with Marshall King, Avrilo, Burden, and Dufty, or you reckon there's going to be some change in it? It's like a game of chess, honestly. I mean, there's there are that many pieces on the board that you got to try and work out what works, what doesn't, who fits best, who fits, who doesn't fit, and you know, I mean, I, I guess it's it, it's like the old adage goes: if you have eight pieces and you only have four positions, eight into four doesn't go. So, sort of, they've got. Well, I mean, I guess it does if it's two, but we're not we're not dividing here. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it'll be interesting to sort of see how they go about it and, and whatnot. I mean, obviously, you know, they signed guys like Joshua Cook as well from the Bunnies, who rumours have he'll, he'll be in the 14 to start the year. You know, will he start? Obviously, Jeremy, Jeremy Marshall King can also play in the halves. So it, it's just all, the, all, all these questions that probably, I mean, I guess they're good. Like ha- having competition is good and it can help motivate players. But at the same time, it can also be a death knell to have too many players that can play too many positions is it just creates all that uncertainty and that's how players can get offside and how teams can fall apart as a result. So it'll, it's a tough one to say. I mean, I think if they had guys signed to longer-term deals in those in those spine positions, you could probably, I guess, be more finite in terms of who who's going to be where. But obviously, you know, Matt Dufty on one year, I mean, Jeremy Marshall King there a couple of years, sort of Burton is really the only guy that is there for a little bit longer. So it's it's hard to tell. And I guess we probably we probably won't know much about it until that first team list Tuesday for round one. Yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, I hope uh, I hope that hope it's a better season for the dogs. Got a soft spot for them. 
yeah, that looks like the promise is there, and I guess that's all you can hope for. And certainly a team as well that the promise has always been there. Obviously, you know, gone are the days when they had Matt Bowen, Jonathan Thurston, Matthew Scott running around, a young bullocking Jason Tamalolo, you name it. The Cowboys were on fire, and then sort of Thurston left, Bowen left, changing of the guard came about. A lot of toing and froing and arming and eyeing and. I think it's safe to say, Pat, the Cowboys didn't have the best year in, in 2021. They're not, again, like, like you said with the Dogs, it's not a, not a terrible side on paper, but there are just so many questions. Obviously, it seems like that Valentine Holmes, the fullback, ex, or not experiment, I mean, fullback, he's, he's a tremendous fullback. But with a guy like Tabawai Fado, who certainly made the most of his chances at the back end of last year when Holmes was injured, then obviously... You know, a lot is sort of being asked as well about Chad Townsend going over, what impact he's going to have. You know, can the real Jason Tamalolo step up? Because you could argue that his last two years probably haven't been that elite level that we've been accustomed to seeing him play at. And it's an interesting one because there's so much potential there, especially with so many young guys coming through as well. But there's probably the one thing that they lack is that genuine playmaker or that genuine bit of like firepower somewhere in the spine to to really catapult them onto bigger and greater things. Yeah, I mean, well said. I, I really feel for the cows. I don't like if we actually compare them, you know, to to the dogs. And if you look at their season last year, I mean, it was a very shaky start, and then they went on a bit of a win streak, and then I mean, the wheels just fell off. Like they let well, they let Clifford go to the Knights, and they brought in Dearden. And then they went on a nine-game losing streak or a close to 10-game losing streak. And honestly, like, if the dogs weren't as bad as they were, the cows were destined for the spoon last year. And if you compare the Cowboys' recruitment to the dogs' recruitment, who both were very much in the, that battler state, and I think, I mean, the Cowboys have been in the bottom four the past three years or four years. Like, they've been there for, for a bit. And I just I just don't really understand the recruitment. Like, I... And I understand, you know, you, you actually mentioned before, like they've had some really big names retire and they've had a lot of turnover. I feel bad because, you know, like Michael Morgan, for example, ha- had to retire last year and a lot of their key guys have gone, you know, Lolo, I mean, he had a really disrupted season, you know, apart from Payton and well, whatever he's planning to do with his minutes, you know, I guess that's a whole separate issue. But if you look at Lolo, he had a really disrupted season, um, you know, three or four handbrakes, you know, much to the uh, to the detestant of my one of my mates in my fantasy my draft league, he was uh, spewing at that. But I just I don't see how you bring in you know even before we're talking about how you can't bring the the three into three into two. Like I don't understand that they brought Dearden, they bought Townsend, they extended Drinkwater. You know they're looking at moving Hammer to the fullback. They're looking at moving Holmes to the centers. I just and I just don't really get it. And obviously, what's reported in the media needs to be taken with a grain of salt. But like to bring in Chad at the reported figure, which is close to 800k, like he, that makes him one of the highest paid halfbacks in the game. I just don't really understand what what the vision is. Like if it's Chad to try and teach Dearden and add that calming influence, okay. But now you've got you know a lot of your cap tied into a into Lolo, obviously he's got like another six years left in his deal. And as you mentioned before, you know, he's had two years where he's kind of dipped down a bit, you know, like he hasn't had those explosive years that he used to have. And then you got 
the rest of your money tied up into now a center in Holmes, who on his day is probably the best winger in the game. Yeah, and then just all this money into Chad. So, look, I really, I hope because Payton had a lot of raps. I mean, to be very honest, I feel like we might have gotten the wall pulled over our, our eyes a little bit because, you know, he, he took over at the Warriors and, you know, they were really brave and they were it was awesome during that COVID-affected year. But the facts also remain, like, they still did It's not like he brought them into the eight. Like, he didn't bring him into the finals. And last year, like, the Warriors have still been, been dealing with adversity and they're still showing up. So it's almost, to me, it's kind of like, that's more just a cultural thing that they dealt with the adversity as a club. They got through it. They did what they needed to the NRL. And Payton, you know, kind of was, like, propped up as the guy who held it all together. So now he's being signed in this deal. And then, you know, straight away... You know, his first media stand was like, oh, well, you know, I need to protect Lolo so I can make sure that I'm I'm going to be as coach for as long as possible. And then it all kind of just went downhill from there. So I don't, you hate to say it, but if I'm going to pick a Spoon favourite, like they're, they're my favourites for the Spoon. I just can't, I just don't see a lot of upside. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think the Townsend signing was certainly a, I don't like to use the word against teams, but it, 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 it did reek of a desperation signing, sort of just to have a, obviously won a premiership with the Sharks in 2016 and, you know, I, I mean, played a big part for them, but you, Sharks fans were never, I guess, wholly convinced that he was going to be the guy, that they could persist with him. And obviously now the Cowboys have him. Yeah, I mean, I guess you said probably maybe to, I guess, to mentor the likes of Deedon and Drinkwater and, and those guys, but it, it's... It's certainly interesting because obviously someone is going to miss out, and that's as I was saying with the dogs that that can upset the apple cart sometimes if it's the wrong guy and all of that stuff. But I think a, a saving grace in a way for the cows at least they've got something to build on is they do have a very good young core of forwards coming through. Presuming they're not poached by the clubs because you know obviously you come into the NRL, you play you know three, four, five, six games, and you look good. Other teams take notice. But obviously, you know, the likes of Jeremiah Nanai, you have Hillam Lukey as well, Tom Gilbert, you know, Mitchell Dunn, even to a lesser extent, Ben Condon. Uh, you know, so the, the pieces are there. But, yeah, it, it it is hard to see the Cowboys, I guess, moving away from that bottom four area again just because, yeah, that recruitment at the moment does leave a lot to be desired. Yeah, and even on... Like, you even look at, you know, the year after. I know we're talking, like, really far in the future. But, like, they signed they they signed Luciano for the year after. And you just mentioned, like, Luki and Nanai are two guns coming through the system. But automatically, one of them are offside. Like, one of them aren't going to get that spot now. So, automatically, that production line, you've got people who might be thinking, all right, well, you know, you're, you're and from, again, from the reported money, like, he's come, like, Luciano's coming on good money. So, he's starting. So one of those spots is already going. So one of those young kids might get the tap and say, all right, well, you know, if I'm not going to be brought into the starting side here, I might look elsewhere. I mean, the Knights have been abusing that the past couple of years. Like North Queensland is our uh, production line at the moment. So it's all, it's all good if uh, we, we land a Lukey or something. He's a gun. Now, that's the thing, obviously, if you, you know, you put all the eggs in that one basket, it can come back to bite you in the end. And look, unfortunately, I think for Cowboys fans, you probably have to brace yourself so another potentially tough year but i think for me personally if any bottom team is going to make a splash in 2022 it's going to be the brisbane broncos i mean you know obviously 
and that's that's not even withstanding the fact that they've got Adam Reynolds, who you could probably say is the best controlling half in the game outside of Nathan Cleary. You just look at the team, obviously. They've got Payne Haas, who is, I think, the best prop in the game. They've signed Kurt Capewell, who is a very underrated back rower. Katoni Staggs comes back, obviously, from that ACL injury. And we've all seen what he can do. I mean, on his day, he can be one of the best centres in the game. And then you have, a lot, you have a lot of other really nice pieces in that team, obviously. You know, guys like Herbie Farnworth, Tessie New, you know, Pat Carrigan, sort of Tom Flegler, even a lot of the other younger guys like Brendan Piacura, Kenan Palacia. It just sort of all seems to be coming together for the Broncos in, in 2022, Pat. And they are a team that you could, well, at least I expect them to give the competition a bit of a shake in, uh, in this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I reckon there's a lot. There is a lot of talent in that side, mate. You left our uh, 2020 Premiership winner Brinko Lee off that list, mate. <laughs> Coming in to make a real splash at the Broncos. Um, yeah, I mean, like the recruitment, recruitment side, like Adam Adam Reynolds, that that is huge. Like my my dad's a South supporter, and honestly, any any South supporter I hear to, like, I actually don't know any rugby league supporter that understands. Reynolds leaving South Sydney. Like, he is a huge loss. Huge. It defies logic. Yeah, it really does. Like, I'm hearing huge raps on Ilias, who, you know, who they're trying to groom to, to replace him, but it still doesn't... It just... Like, he's the captain, he's a junior. Anyways, I mean, that's a whole... We'll save it for South Sydney. But, <laughs> you know, what what's their loss is definitely a huge gain. And I think feel that where it all went wrong for the Broncos is they, they went through that period where they shed a lot of experience. And I guess another thing as well is if we look back as well at what the halves used to be, when it used to be like a, a Nicarima Milford halves partnership a couple of years ago, like it still didn't have that ultra steady hand. And then, you know, you kind of couple that with the amount of experience that they lost and let go. And like Reynolds is just what they need. Like there's so much young talent in that team that they just need those couple older heads. And what's more important is that he's an older head in the spine. And I guess the only thing, if I'm to think about what might go wrong, like the spine is still very, very inexperienced and they don't really know what the best spine looks like. I know that they're looking at Cobbo and he's got huge wraps on him. And, you know, if, when you watch him in that, um, in the Q Cup final last year, like he's a gun, obviously, of the, like, of the future. But do they bring him in or is it going to be new? I mean, from the reports, it looks like it's going to be Tessie. And then obviously the 5 8 spot is really up for contention. Reynolds now captain and lock. Uh, and they still kind of haven't really figured out what they want to do at nine. Like I think that Turpin, I reckon Turpin is actually like a fairly solid lock. You know, and he's he's serviceable, but they also still haven't really shown that much faith in him. Like they kind of chase other hookers as well when they come off the market. So like that's the only thing for him. But again, like you got Payne Haas, you got Stags. Like you just got a couple of weapons in that team. Like Jordan Ricky, like he's a beast. Like, I'm really excited to see uh, to see Ricky in the All Stars. I reckon he's just gonna grow another leg uh, if he's made that squad or did he pull out? Um, but regardless, like I reckon they got the ingredients there. You know and it's, it's the Broncos. I reckon they get a bit of a – it's one thing I feel that gets unspoken about, but their schedule, apart from the fact that they obviously get the seven-day turnaround every week, like they get an extra home game every year. Like they get the – like Magic Round is, a, is an away game for them. Like I feel that they get those little legs up throughout the season. And I reckon with, with the Dolphins lurking, like the organisation knows that they need to pick up. 
Like, there's a, there's a threat coming in. You know, I reckon Ben Eichen actually last year was a huge reason why they sort of picked up towards the end of the year. Like, I reckon that was a lot to do with it. Um, but I guess, you know, if I think about pressure as well, obviously there's so much pressure always on the Broncos. But Kevy is under a huge pressure. Yeah, he's, he's wanted the gig for so long. You know, he relatively underperformed. Like, they still underperformed last year. And, you know, just the Broncos carry that weight of expectation. And in all fairness, again, like, I reckon uh, agreeing with you, if they're going to be one of those bottom teams to move, move for, further up the ladder, I reckon it's going to be going to be them. Um, but there's probably, probably for the fight for maybe, like, the bottom of the eight. So, like, anywhere between, like, seven to, like, ten or 12, I reckon they'll be in the mix. I think it'd be a safe bet to say that the top five or six teams are probably going to be there again in 2022. But again, that's that's a story for another day. But yeah, look, I mean, it, it's Adam Reynolds is probably close to the best signing the Broncos have ever made. And obviously we've seen, I guess, the amount of players that have, have played for the Broncos. And obviously everything is, you know, put into context and, and, and the impacts that they have. But certainly when the Broncos needed, I guess, a a perennial playmaker who can change a game simply with with his kicking game. They found the perfect guy in in, uh, in Adam Reynolds, and you know, that's only going to bode well for them. And I guess another team, Pat, who hope that their signings bode well for them is going to be the West Tigers. Obviously, they did finish 13th last year. I don't think Tigers fans have to be reminded as to just how long it's been since they've made the eight. I mean, that seems to be the running discussion pretty much every single year for close to a decade now, unfortunately for them. I think for the Tigers, what is probably the biggest talking point is almost, and and that's the loss of Adam Dewey with that ACL, who's probably not coming back until mid-year and certainly made that 5'8 spot his own, uh, you know, certainly impressed against some good sides at the back end of the year as well. And there's just so many questions about this team. Obviously, you know, the likes of Jackson Hastings coming in, uh, Tyrone Peachy as well, who I guess has probably played every position in, in the league except for prop. Um, <laughs> so it, there's just so many moving pieces. And obviously, you know, you you watch the the Tales of Tiger Town documentary that was on Fox Sports and KO, and you just sort of see the almost like animosity within, within that sort of culture and playing group and the disappointment that comes with not making the finals. And you think it's going to be better, but then they do the same thing the year after and, it's it's yeah it's it's just I think the Tigers fans I hate to say it a top eight spot is in your future just not in 2022. Look, I think that's more than fair. Like honestly, I've got um I've got a couple of mates that are that are Tigers fans. You know, one of them reckons it's a sign this year. You know, it's the year of the Tiger and the for the chi- for the for the, the Chinese early hacks. So he's uh he's being optimistic. But I mean, realistically. You know, even you kind of mentioned it before, you know, the past 10 years they talk, how's there, there was this tag of ninth, but, you know, like, oh, they they always come ninth or there was that, that tag floating around for a while. Like, that tag is is very much, it's gone. Like, they're not even close to ninth. Like, and they haven't been for, for the past few years. And, you know, very similar. Like, they've got some young talent in there. And, like, they went out and they bought a lot of young talent. And I think that it's just going to take more time. And, like, just looking at the roster, and you talk about those games, like, I don't mind the peachy signing, but I think the big thing is that it doesn't really make sense for a Madge 
coach team. Like, I just feel that a lot of the signings that have happened, like Michael Maguire doesn't really have that much of an input because they just don't really seem like his kind of players. You know, like, I just ne- – like, if you think about when Leilua – like, you, you mentioned it before uh, with, like, the Chad signing. Like, so much of the Tigers signings have that reek of desperation, and it, it's definitely changed. Like, if you look at Sheenzy coming in and, you know, boom, he, he lands Papali'i and he – Lance Coruscant, like those are awesome signings. Obviously, that's for the year after, but those are awesome. Like those are actually very much an improvement-based signing, in my opinion. Like that's really great. But if I look at this year with a roster that didn't do that well last year, and they're bringing in, you know, they're bringing in Peachy, who, for all reports, is either going to be he's probably going to be the starting fourteen. Um, I mean, I reckon they should probably just start him at 13 and just add a bit of variation. And then they've got Hastings, who, you know, he was he went over there and killed it in Super League, but we've kind of seen that that's a different competition. And and to me, like, you made the biggest call before where they're, they're missing Dewey, and he, like, in that documentary, he was the heartbeat of that team. But even last year, there were times where, you know, uh, Tarmel was out and... Madge would make Brooks the captain. And I, f- I feel like everyone who watched that documentary was like, surely Dewey's the captain. Like, the bloke is the most competitive. Like, he lives and breathes the, the uh, footy, and he really feels those results. But he wasn't captain. So, you know, and I mean, he was their best player last year. He's coming back from his second knee, Rico. So I don't think that they'll rush him either, or they might because they might feel desperate. But again, like, he's going to kind of ease back in. You've got your best player out. They haven't really gone to market and done anything for this year. They've made a couple of signings. But, like, it's much the same. And, you know, I just feel that there's still a core group of players there who just don't put in for Madge. You know, like, yeah, if I just think of that playing group, I feel like there's a couple of young guys in there like Twal and Dewey who, like, really give a crack every week. But then, like, neither of them kind of like recognized and made captain i just don't know i just don't know what madge thinks at times like he's obviously got the pedigree he's won a premiership with souths but again like i just look at the roster and i just don't feel like it's his team even though he's had it now for like four years or coming into his fifth year like he's been there for a while i just don't see it as the team that he really wants so yeah again like i just feel that they're not in for a great year probably another bottom four finish is pretty realistic um but as you said before you know i actually think that things are going to get better i reckon sheen's is going to make a make an impact um and i reckon next year yeah like if you bring appy and Papali into that squad like that's a huge improvement yes certainly plenty of questions given the tigers track record and how they're going to fare and whatnot and I guess time will tell. I mean, it, it could end up that we're all wrong and maybe your mate is right and they somehow snagged the premiership. <laughs> but, you know, that's that, that rugby league is a funny game like that. And look, so those, those four teams, they do have their work cut out to to crack the eight, given the likelihood that the top five or six teams will be there again. And obviously, you know, plenty of other teams, the, the top four teams above them as well are going to be pushing for those same spots. And we're in for, in for an interesting year, sort of, Interesting way to to see how it all pans out. You know, obviously one injury can change the course of a season for any side. You know, that may hopefully it's not the case in 2022, but we have seen it in the past. And certainly it's been a big test for those four sides to take that next step, to make that next level. But we just got to wait and see what happens and anything is possible. And I guess it'd be remiss of us to just not get straight into the football action 
Pat, it's been in what feels like it's been forever. Finally, have some football on this weekend. We've got got uh, three games total. Obviously, two are going to get more talking than than the third one. Uh, I guess we'll start with the smaller one first. It, the Brisbane Broncos are up against the winner, Manly Seagulls. I mean, Brisbane Brisbane do this pretty much every year. Their first trial is always up against one of their respective feeder clubs. Not too much to note with Wynnum. I mean, mostly junior kids. Luke Bateman, I think the former Raider, uh, is going to be playing for them. That's probably really the only notable name for them. And I guess for this this Broncos side, probably, you know, I mean, some first graders there, obviously, Jermaine Isako, like you said, the 2020 Premiership winner, Branko Lee, is there as well. <laughs> Guys that have had a taste for first grade, Brendan Piyakura, Keenan Palacia. I think the guy for me, though, that, I'm interested to see how he goes, even though it is only, I guess, a in-house sort of trial. Samari Martin, obviously, his story has been well-documented. You know, burst onto the scene for Penrith, went to the Cowboys, suffered that brain bleed, and probably many thought, including himself, that his career was done and dusted. And here he is back again on a top 30 contract uh, for the Brisbane Broncos. Good chance for him to, I guess, show Kevin Walters that he could still be a, a regular first grade player. Yeah, I mean, what a story! I mean, like, good luck to him, honestly. Like, to come back. I mean, there must have been so much going through his mind. You know, like it was quite a a serious. Like, yeah, it was quite serious. You know, anything to do with the brain or the head, and for him to to work his way back is quite amazing. So yeah, like, congratulations to him and and good luck to him. Uh, and on that rest of the squad, like, I actually think it's pretty interesting. I feel like they've named. The Broncos particularly, I guess they've named like a few players where there is contention for their first grade squad. Like if I think about guys like Jordan Pereira, um, Kobe Hetherington, like it'll be interesting to see if he gets to 14 or maybe if he starts at, at 13. But someone who I'm really keen to take a look at is is Ezra Mann. Like, by, like he, the kid's a gun. So it'll be interesting to see if he just comes on and blitzes it and kind of shows that, you know, maybe he's not going to be there round one, but he's someone of the future. So I'm actually really keen to see him. And I'm interested to see as well, like, Billy Walters come back from his injury. Obviously, they brought him, like, they brought him to the club, reunite with his uh, reunite with his dad. It'll be interesting to see come round one if uh, nepotism wins out and if he gets that six jersey. That would certainly ruffle some feathers, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, look, obviously chance for those guys to stake their claim and obviously as you said not not playing round one necessarily but certainly just just be there knocking at Kevin Otter's door and saying hey mate don't forget I'm here you know it's obviously you you can't get those opportunities if you're not playing well so golden chance for them to show that and obviously I guess equally it's a it's a golden chance for the the women's all-stars game to be put on the map within the same sort of I guess time frame as the men's game Pat obviously a lot has been said in the past few years or past, maybe even for a decade or so, I guess that the women's game isn't given that same platform, that same that sort of you know, same coverage. But here we are. The women's game is going to be smack bang before the men's game. Obviously live and free on uh, on Channel 9, I believe, as well as Fox Sports, who are showing all the trials. And it's going to be a very interesting game. Obviously, there hasn't been as many female stars pull out as, as there have been on, on the men's side, which we'll touch on shortly. But certainly, I mean, you, you only have to look at the two teams and, you know, you see names like Tamika Upton, uh, Racine McGregor, uh, Botilvetti Welsh, you know, Rona Peters, Kira Dib, you know, you name it. There's literally, that. There's, there's a litany of stars there who have all 
shone in the past in the NRLW, obviously, which will start in a few weeks' time. As someone who's a fan of rugby league across the board, no matter what level it is, it's great to see the women's game getting at least some sort of similar traction for such a, an important fixture on, on the calendar like the men's men's game does every year. Yeah, mate, really excited. And, yeah, it's awesome to see, as you said, like they're getting that platform. And, you know, I feel, I feel like there's going to be a talking point for that men's squad. But as you said, like the women are really excited to be a part of the fixture. And, you know, not a lot of talk of anyone pulling out or, or anything like that. So... They're really excited to get stuck in, represent their heritage. You know it's going to be a cracker game. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of watching like the women's state of origin and just you know the intensity is all there. And I'm actually just on the women's game. Like I'm actually just more excited just to watch a lot more of it. Uh, you know, to quote or to paraphrase uh, Jamie Sauer, I think earlier in the week he was talking or he made mention of you know before equal pay for the women's game, you know, we need to think about equal play. And just over the past couple of years with COVID, you know, like it always, it, even though the game has talked about promoting the women's game, they still kind of treat it as a bit of an afterthought. Like there wasn't a lot put in place to make sure that, you know, they're able to play or, and I, I know that it is different. Like I know that, like I understand that their hands can be tied at times, but, you know, it's just great to see that they're gearing up for this weekend can't wait to watch it. Um, and then, yeah, like lead into a, a really great NRLW or an expanded NRLW competition. Yeah, certainly it's a great opportunity for those women to, I guess, get 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 some juice in the tank, obviously, with the upcoming NRLW season. I don't think they're going to do too many trials. So that's probably their one major hit out prior to their competition. And, I mean, obviously, that is the game before the men's clash. And I guess it, it pains me to say it in a way, Pat, but probably the big talking point in this for this game is just how many stars of the game have pulled out. I mean, again, I take nothing away from from the players that have come in. Obviously, you're Indigenous or you're Maori, so you get the chance to come in, represent your culture. That's tremendous. And to be in those camps would be a huge experience. But it just seems like games like this, there's always, whether it's the player or the team or, some, or a different factor, playing a part there just always seems to be the big 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 players pulling out year on year yeah it's like it's it is definitely a tough spot like i understand and i think they did um like the the coaches poll throughout the week in the herald and you know talking about how or like who has ownership over the players you know and it is kind of a bit of like it is a little bit backwards especially you know I feel that a lot of people really view this game as more of a trial rather than a representative fixture. Because if you think about it as a rep fixture, and if you think about like origin, no player or club is preventing their players at playing at that level. And the same could be said for international. So, but I get, you know, if you're to ask the players what the, this game means to them, it means a lot. Like they feel that it's a rep quality. It is definitely a rep quality game. So, if you're going to pull the players back, and again, I guess because it's just before the season starts, like I feel that the most relevant talking point is Joey Manu. And like, it's definitely tough because his last game, you know, he got his face, his face smashed in. So from the Roosters perspective, they're like, look, like we probably don't want to bring him into what is going to be a very physical contest. Like this is going to be a real physical contest. It's not like they're easing him into a trial. Like these guys play, at full throttle so they're saying no like we don't want him there they'd rather just kind of keep him in cotton wool so you can understand that but it is definitely disappointing as a fan you know unless you're a roosters fan but it's disappointing as the everyday fan because then you're not able to watch these teams 
a complete full you know full flight really go at it with the best that's available yeah that's that's the downside with all with i guess as you said having a game that is almost seen as a trial and not a, and not a rep fixture i mean if, if it was given that that mantle of being a rep fixture you'd probably see you know more of those players taking it seriously and being like hey it's my culture i want to play regardless of what the club says and obviously the repercussions of that you know would inadvertently happen as a result but yeah it, it's i do hope it is something that they look at you know changing and addressing just because I mean, end of that i mean like origin for games like this you want to see the best players in the game playing as often as possible every week no matter what game it is and you know, certainly now that they seem to have found their i guess like their niche game like the maori and the indigenous like two incredibly proud communities and that uh you know the, the nrl is littered with players of both heritages and uh yeah it, it sort of it, it takes away from i guess the the fabric of the game in a way if you just have players pulling out and and always you know not wanting to to play for any number of reasons and yeah it, it, look it's a shame but obviously as a fans all we can do is com- complain about it and voice our concern not that anyone listens but obviously that's not the intent anyway but uh look certainly those three games are very exciting to look forward to and you know and unfortunately in rugby league there i mean this, this game has been played in australia since 1908 there's been so many players that have come come and gone have wowed wowed fans across the board you know, sorry, made casual fans into extremely, you know, vocal fans. And it's never good to see legends of the game pass away. And unfortunately, Pat, in the last two two days, we've seen two pass away. Um, you know, we'll start with Johnny Raper. I mean, I don't think anyone needs to give an introduction on Johnny Raper. I mean, I guess in rugby league, if you've been supporting it, even only for a few years, You've got to know who Johnny Raper is. You know, he's, he's one one of the immortals of the game. Was a part of that tremendously talented St George side that won eight consecutive grand finals, which is it will never be achieved again. I mean, that's just that's unfathomable in in any sport really. And you listen to people talk about him that were able to watch him play, and people still say to this day he's what was one of the greatest players the game has ever seen. And obviously, his immortal status is testament to that, even for those of us that didn't see him play. Yeah, and well said, you know, I mean, all you have to kind of think of is he, he was one of the first four immortals, you know, him, uh, I guess, outside of Bozo, him and three other Dragons made that list. And, you know, just coming from that, just that era of dominance, where they just dominated the competition, as you said, like, that's never going to happen again. Like, they made history during that period. And, you know, from all reports, and again, you know, if you listen to people who were able to actually watch him play, they definitely say that he may just be the best ever. So, yeah, very sad to, to see him pass. Yeah, it certainly is. And so they've got the news as well that uh, Olsen Filipaino has passed away. Obviously, I guess to the to the casual observer, you probably wouldn't know his name compared to Johnny Raper, but certainly his impact was well made, mainly for the Bowman Tigers back in the day. But I guess the thing with Filipaino, Pat, is he was really one of those first Polynesian players to come onto the scene and make an impact. I mean, he was a trailblazer for for what is now a, a game and a sport and an NRL competition that is, you know, littered with tremendously talented Polynesian players. And obviously, you know, he laid the groundwork for that. And I guess that most famous moment, again, before a lot of us a lot of us were born, but you, you read about it, you watch it, where uh, in 1983, I believe it was, Walla Lewis, who was probably 
close to the best player at the time, the king, the legend, Philip Aina, absolutely mauled him and just literally gave him a bath, basically. So it just goes to show just how good he was on his day and that his legacy is certainly not going to be forgotten anytime soon. Yeah, well, I was, um, yeah, heaps of tributes uh, coming out for him today and just before recording, you know, just taking a look at some of them and reading a story where, you know, there was a, there was an instance where he was dropped for Balmain and the Kiwi test selectors had so much faith in him that they still brought him in from reserve grade and he came out and produced a man-of-the-match performance. So the guy was a beast and, as you said, tra- just a trailblazer. Yes, certainly it's a big loss for the Polynesian community and obviously the thoughts do go out to both families, the Raper family and the Filipina family and, and the larger community, obviously. The the, the Mangiri's talks are a, were a big part of of Filipinas upbringing and, and junior development and whatnot. And they certainly, that'll be a community in the morning today. And, you know, fingers crossed that we don't need to be mentioning too many more rugby league player deaths because it's certainly uh, not a pleasant experience to see, you know, trailblazers and pioneers of the game pass away. And, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's tough to talk about, obviously, because rugby league is such a, such a, a big sport in, in, in all of our lives, whether you're a fan, player, coach, or you name it. So, it's difficult to talk about, and I mean, I guess just just moving on and, and changing topic. Going to put you on the spot here, Pat. Final thing of of today's episode: Who's the most under pressure coach in 2022, and why? Uh, oh, great question. I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> I would say like any of those bottom four teams, like they're under like heaps of pressure. I reckon I'd probably say Trent Barrett is probably under a heap of pressure. Maybe not the most. Like I just want. I don't want to say Madge because I feel like he was written and spoke about so much last year and, you know, they're stuck with him. So, like, he's definitely under pressure. But I reckon, like, Trent Barrett, uh, purely because, again, he doesn't have the best track record. And when he came to the Dogs, like, they kind of sold it that, oh, you know, he was the Penrith attacking coach and look at him. They blitzed it in 2020. And he came out with the Dogs Obviously, the cattle was nowhere near what he had at Penrith, but they had the league's worst attacking record, closely uh, followed by the Knights, unfortunately. But I reckon with Gus there, you know, like he he wants to have all the right things in place. And if I was to put a cheeky bet on anything, I reckon if Barrett was to go, Gus would try to get Seraldo there. Just because he's an up-and-coming coach that has all these wraps on him, and Serrato did say that he would stick it out for a bit longer and stick it out for the right opportunity. And Gus might just be able to to be the guy, you know. Like when um when he dropped Hook, he had no issue bringing Serrato as the caretaker. So yeah, watch this space. I don't know. Out out there prediction. If they punt, if they punt Barrett Serrato to come in. It's a funny one. Look, again, I I don't like to sort of you know put any uh, fans offside obviously this early in the season but obviously you know the media's been talking about this stuff for for decades and and will continue to do so and I mean uh, I know that you didn't want to mention him but I think just everything that has happened the guys that they've signed obviously Hastings, Peachy, uh, obviously Ken Mamalo at the back end of last year a lot of uh, I guess younger talent emerging Adam Dewey eventually coming back Uh, I can see the Tigers moving on from Maguire if there's if it's not a good year. And I'm not saying that'll be Maguire's fault in terms of, you know, the results. Obviously, the coaches are always the ones that get the flick, even though it's a lot of the players aren't, 
you know, put under the same microscope in terms of accountability. But you just feel with everything that's gone on and, you know, some of those sort of mixed messages that we've seen in the past as well. And and now that Tim Sheen is director of, of, of uh, or the general manager of football or director of football, you know, whatever the whatever each team calls it nowadays, it, it's, it's a very precarious situation. And I think Maguire would know that as well, that almost one of those situations where, where you say, hey, do you, but know that, we're watching this situation very closely and yeah, yeah. If, if the results don't go the Tigers way and they have another bottom four finish, I can see the club giving Maguire the flick and yeah. look, I mean, as I mean, as for a replacement, I mean, this, the problem with giving any coach flick is there's not really any NRL ready coaches out there. And certainly the ones that are, you know, they're going to be green and obviously you've got to start somewhere, yeah. but yeah, so the Tigers will be mine and you know, it's a, uh, they're going to be an interesting one to watch and see how it all plays out. Well, their start doesn't help Maguire's cause, does it? I mean, they play five of the top eight, plus the Sharks, who definitely look like they're going to have a screamer this year. And their only real winnable game is probably the Warriors. So they could be looking at an 0-7 start. And yeah, I mean, if that's the case, yeah, like it's not... Very not not a great outlook for Madge, unfortunately. It's a scary proposition, that's for sure. And look again for Tigers fans, maybe you might be seven and zero. You never know. That <laughs> uh, Tigers fans could be cheering, but I guess we'll find out. Well, about they, are, they 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 showed last year they could beat under strength heavyweights when they all celebrated like it was 05 when they beat uh, Penrith during Origin and they come up against an under strength Storm. So you know anything can happen. That's true. It's rugby league. You never know. That wraps it up for the first episode of 2022 for the Take the Two podcast. And as I said earlier, Pat and I will be back next week to discuss the fallout, the the drama, the, the results, you name it, from the two All-Stars clash. And then we can look forward to what will be the first official week of NRL trials, which certainly there's going to be some interesting selections there, that's for sure. So enjoy, everyone. Enjoy the All-Stars games, and we'll catch you next week. Cheers, Ricky. See you guys next week.